to the Concerto Podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Justin King and today I am delighted to be joined by one of our project leads, Andy Green. Andy is a former civil servant, having worked in the prison service from 1993 through to 2010 and then from 2010 through to 2019 within the Ministry of Justice prior to joining Concerto. He has been fortunate to have held a diverse range of roles across a number of large central government departments over his 26 years of service, providing him with significant experience of major projects, developing and implementing business change solutions, risk management, benefits management, and financial budgetary management. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Justin. Thank you very much. So, Andy, I understand that when you originally joined the Her Majesty's Prison Service, you joined as an instructional officer teaching carpentry and joinery to offenders. So tell me why training as a joiner originally has been so influential in your life. Well, I suppose it's a journey that I never expected to take, really. Um, but uh, starting at the beginning, that there are different types of joiners. Uh, and the one I chose was one in a workshop working on a bench, um, primarily because I could keep my tools clean and avoid the bad weather by staying dry and warm when other apprentices and joiners were outside working on the sites in the cold. <laughs> so but as a bench joiner, as I, as I was, you usually get a set of drawings, uh, maybe from an architect if you're lucky. And the aim is to transpose those drawings into a finished product, be it a, a cabinet, um, a staircase, or a bespoke window, etc. However, to make those items, there are specific sequential steps to take. Uh, for example, you need to understand how much wood you'll require, what type of wood. You need to order the wood. You need to machine it. And then you need to assemble the component parts. So after spending the early part of my working life designing and applying incremental steps, um, I apply that incremental approach to most things I do. Uh, I suppose I consider myself as, as a logical thinker, trying to think two steps ahead to ensure that what I'm working on now won't cause issues for those two steps ahead, if you see what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, and absolutely. And actually, you know, as you just said, that makes complete logical sense. Um, so how have you applied that skill into your, into your work you're doing now? Well, I think the incremental approach that I use can be applied in, in most situations. Uh, how, can I ex how can I explain that? Um, I, I was seconded onto an IT project when I was in the prison service. Um, the IT project was to replace legacy systems with one live system across all prisons and probation offices across England and Wales. At the time, it was the largest IT project the prison service had ever commissioned, as it would, in the end, be used by around 45,000 prison and probation staff. So six months into my secondment, I and Anne, um, a, a lady seconded from the probation service, were asked if we would write the benefits realisation strategy and the benefits realisation plan for the project. Um, I can only assume that I was chosen for this as I had had a couple of successes in writing local bids for some EU money in the prison that I was based in. Uh, I never imagined that I would be tasked with this sort of work and, and was totally unaware of its importance. In fact, it was to assist the project to secure from the Treasury 
around £300 million for the next two years. Um, so I sort of fell into my comfort zone of working things through logically. So we began by researching what benefit realization was in terms of this very large project. Uh, we started by identifying how we could apply a benefit category, the sort of finance, people, process, performance, etc., to the IT solution. And then try to analyze what will the new solution do better than the old one? Uh, how will it change both the business and the people's performance? And how can we tell in the months ahead whether the IT has indeed provided those benefits? And most importantly, of course, how can we monitor them? So once we'd begun to sketch out those basics, over the next three to four months, we created a full benefits realization strategy. I believe it was around a 105-page document. <laughs> but in that, we, link, we were linking the projected functionality with the current KPIs, uh, understanding the cost time associated with specific tasks, and identify specific areas where the benefits would be tracked, uh, being careful not to double count. Uh, and we created the benefits realization plan, which included templates to complete when monitoring activity post go live. And we did that to ensure consistency of approach and therefore consistency in the data fed back. So, by applying a basic logic of sequential steps, we built up bit by bit the strategy and the plan. Um, it passed HM Treasury Integrity Check and was one of the contributors which allowed the project to move forward. Uh, and following that, um, the Norwegian government were also embarking on a similar IT approach. And after seeing our documents, um, I was asked to go to Oslo to help them define their benefits and create a similar package, which was quite a nice experience. Yeah, I bet. I bet. That, I mean, that's incredible. So you can, so we know that you can, you can teach people new skills uh, and you can bring those, uh, those people together, the very best people, um, to make a formidable team. But how do you really drive success from that team once you've got them together in a project and program management situation? Well, I think, I think uh, as a starter, you need to be cautious not to have too many experts in the same room. Um, every team I've led, and I've led, I've led you know, large teams of people from small to large, uh, I've always encouraged people who know more than me to join the team. So some may say that's madness, especially those who prefer to have a, a tighter control on events. And of course, in some situations, that's called for. But in general, everyday work, I prefer a collaborative approach rather than an autocratic one. How do I get the best? Um, I suppose by not being afraid to show humility, uh, by surrounding myself with people who know more than me, and therefore I can legitimately let them be contributors to the project. Uh, now, of course, I'm not totally ignorant. I do have a broad knowledge but it's critical for all team members to feel that they are contributing. I think it's also important to acknowledge that mistakes will happen anytime, but that's okay as we, we can manage that provided we create an environment where people can confess to a mistake rather than try to hide it or push it onto somebody else. If we know about it, we can manage and deal with it. 
if team members have a sense of fear, the mistake can fester and be a much bigger issue to deal with. Um, also, enabling people to feel empowered, engaged, and as I said, a contributor will in most cases drive ambition and energy. And I suppose on one final note, one approach that I've always stuck to is that I can expect someone to work for me because they are getting paid. If I want them to work with me, I must invest my time in building a relationship with them. There must be that mutual trust and respect. And once they go that extra mile, you know they are committed to the end game. Andy, that, that's fascinating. And of course, if I just read back some of that, so really it's about not being afraid to show humility, having the best people in the room with you that are better than you and understanding that and understanding that all the team members are contributing and, and, and doing that by enabling people to feel empowered and engaged as, and, and, and therefore contribute on, on, the, on the process. And I think that building a relationship of trust is actually key, isn't it? Because it, at the end of the day, it's a people business. It is, you know, and, you know, you're, you're not only taking the customer on a journey from start to an end product, but you're also taking that team on the journey as well. Taking the team. Absolutely. Yeah. Andy, look, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Um, and obviously, now I know where to come to get my birdhouse or chest of drawers made. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is, um, it is it's something I didn't actually know about you when, you when you first joined the company, but I think that's fascinating. It's been great talking to you about what makes teams really actually um, uh, get, get the maximum out of those teams. And I really look forward to talking to you on further podcasts. Okay. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Many thanks for listening to the Concerto podcast. Please keep an eye out for further podcasts. And if you want to get in touch with us, please do so through our website at concerto.uk.com. Many thanks.